0: And you think about what's it gonna take to truly shift society to a different place. I think it's gonna be, I think a lot of times it's gonna look like people leaving their jobs, which are in the old system, which might not align with their values um, or the society they wanna live in and being able to step out of that and work full time on on the movements that they care about while still having health insurance and some measure of stability. I think that's a really powerful lever for change. So we're trying to activate that one.
1: Hello and welcome to the Civic Hacker Podcast. I'm your host, Lori McNeil, Founding Director of the Civic Hacker Network and the Civic Hacker Summit. As a Civic Hacker Podcast listener, you're participating in a learning journey where we explore a vast array of solutions to social problems emerging in various forms and communities all around the world. Together, we dive into the immense pool of knowledge available from people who are leading the way in using data and tech for positive impact. This show is brought to you by the Civic Hacker Network. Our mission is to create and empower a globally connected community of people who are using data and technology to create positive social change. civic-hackers.org is the place to go online to learn more about how we strive to do this and how you can get involved. The Civic Hacker podcast features interviews and talks that are recorded during Civic Hacker Summit events. The summits are online events where a specially curated, invitation only group of experts and emerging changemakers share stories, strategies, tips, and tactics for making an impact with data and technology. This episode closes out season two of the podcast, and I think we're wrapping up with just the right person and topic. Today, we get to hear from someone who is part of a key resource making the work of Civic Hacker Network possible. Basically, providing the fertile soil from which this little seedling of an organization is going to grow its impact. So I am talking about Alana Irving from the Open Collective Foundation. Alana Irving is the executive director of the Open Collective Foundation and the chief operating officer of Open Collective Inc. Alana's a serial founder of open source collaboration software tools and a thought leader on the topic of non-hierarchical leadership. She's passionate about the potential of communities to cr- reclaim the power of money and technology. For efficient collaboration and radical justice. I loved getting the chance to sit down with Alana. We're several time zones apart. She's based in New Zealand, uh, but fortunately for all of us, we were able to connect across the miles so that we could learn from her. In this conversation, we covered several uplifting and empowering topics, including the origin story of Open Collective, and what makes it unique as a fundraising and collaboration platform. Alana shares how the COVID-19 pandemic sparked exponential growth of the platform and what that has meant for grassroots movements and new values-driven organizations all over the world. We talk about how leaning into the solidarity economy movement impacts Open Collective Foundation's work as a tech platform and player in philanthropic spaces. And how social impact can be created in a much bigger way by weaving diverse groups together on the basis of shared values enjoy the conversation thank you so much for
0: having me laurie i'm really excited to be here um i think this is a really exciting network that you have um put together so yeah i hope that what i can share today can be relevant to some people Um, My background is uh, for the last 10 years or a bit more has been around collaborative open source software and social enterprise and basically social impact through community, technology, and especially this um, concept of money and how can money really empower community. Um, So I have been involved in multiple startups um, around uh, creating tooling for highly collaborative, transparent communities. Um, I helped to make a a tool for collaborative decision-making called Lumio, which is now used by a lot of cooperatives and collaborative networks um, that grew out of Occupy movement, kind of meeting the social enterprise movement and realizing that there were similar goals around kind of highly participatory ways of working, Um, and also tooling for participatory budgeting, um, which is a really, I think, amazing process where people, larger numbers of people can get together and decide how to spend money together. So about five years ago, I was sort of stepping out of my old, uh, the things I had been working on. Um, and put the word out that I was looking for the next thing. Um, And the founder of Open Collective got in touch with me because basically he knew I was a big nerd about community, technology, and money, and that's what Open Collective is all about. Um, And it was a really great fit. You know, it's just, it's wonderful if you can take those things that you're particularly passionate about and find that combination. (laughs) That's what it's been for me. As soon as I understood what it was really about, um, I was just like, yes, this is the thing for me. Um, So Open Collective is... uh, a software platform for transparent fundraising. So if you look at it on the surface, that's kind of the first thing you'll notice is it looks kind of like a crowdfunding platform, except it's completely transparent. You can see where all the money comes from and you can see what the people raising the money are spending it on. Um, and so that was kind of the genesis of like, why should crowdfunding be this black box that you you, know, you give money and then you can't really see what happens to it. Um, and also existing tools for crowdfunding were really based around uh, either time-limited campaigns, like we're raising money for 30 days and then it's all over, or uh, around individuals, like you know, I'm I'm an artist and you can fund me, um, me as I'm the, I'm the thing you're funding. Mm-hmm. But what was missing was really the the platform for ongoing collaborative communities who needed to raise money to support their activities. They were communities that are led and run by multiple people that are highly collaborative that want to have transparency with their communities and that kind of accountability with their wider community and also are ongoing. And they're not just funding for a one off campaign. They are trying to uh, continue. That is sort of what you see on the surface, I think, if you first arrive at Open Collective. Once you scratch the surface, you'll see the other aspect of it, which is this whole fiscal sponsorship thing. As you mentioned, um, Open Collective Foundation is the fiscal host of Civic Hackers. And what that means is um, it's uh, an organization, it's a nonprofit that can hold money on behalf of projects. And it basically means people, projects, communities can sign up, can raise, and spend money without having to incorporate. You don't need to start a bank account, you don't need to worry about taxes. Um, You don't need to basically take on all that heavy, painful admin that comes with actually running an entity. Instead, you can sign up with Open Collective Foundation is one such nonprofit that serves um, social impact groups in the U.S., um, and then we're actually a whole network internationally of many such entities that are sort of functioning as umbrella entities for different communities and locations, whether that's in a specific country um, or a specific topic area, like there's one for climate change groups and there's one for people in Europe. Then I started one here in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, we, we're trying to be a network where any group can come along and, set, and find the right home for them and then join a community of peers. We're also raising money and, and basically uh, have that commons where they can um, learn from each other and, and kind of be part of something bigger while having these really practical, painful problems solved for them.
1: Yeah, it's kind of amazing because it, it's, you know, an elegant kind of simple thing, I mean, on the surface for me <laughs> to have the, someone to do this heavy lift administrative stuff. But, you know, the impact of, of that, like, I just kind of wonder if it was always um, the intention of Open Collective to be a a tool or an enabler of things like what you guys have seen during COVID, um, the types of groups that have come to use the platform, you maybe can talk about that because I really, it's striking to me like what a field leveler it is, right? Like who does someone have to be? if they want to form a nonprofit, what kind of resources would they have to have even just you know, getting a board together and the impact of like what that's going to do down the road um, with their work. Um, and yeah, it's pretty amazing too. Like this one, this one thing can open the door for so many people to make an impact. And so I was curious about you know, what you all think about that aspect of your platform
0: really glad to hear you say that. The whole reason this whole thing exists is to to basically support people like yourself who are a leader in a community and building a community and save you time and stress and take some things off your plate so that you can spend more time on the things that really only you can do, which is the community building and the the specific impact you're trying to have on the world. Um, So yeah, COVID has been a really huge growth time for us. I guess maybe it's useful to say, before, in the before times, before the mm-hmm. pandemic times, um, the first few years that Open Collective was in operation, um, we sort of caught on in a few different communities. And, and um, some of the big ones were uh, networks of meetups, um, open source software projects, uh, climate action groups. And what these all had in common was that specific form of being a truly collaborative community. It wasn't owned by any one person. Um, they needed to interact with money. It would be weird if any one of those people were like, "This is now. This is now my thing. I'm gonna. Fa- I'm going incorporate and like say that I'm the director. Like that would change or or harm their community actually. Um, and so those were kind of the first ones that started to grow. And then we started Open Collective Foundation which is a 501C3, as basically, as I said, it's um, one of several different kind of homes that groups can have across the network, but that's a specific niche that's required for uh, a lot of philanthropic funders can only give grants to 501C3s, a lot of uh, donors care about getting that tax deduction and only 501c3s are, can give a tax deduction. So we, we knew that there was a niche for this specific form. So we started it and it was just kind of small and ticking along like we had some groups around, um, like because tech was such a big area for us and open source software is such a big area for us in a, in a different nonprofit entity, there were groups coming out that were like, we, we are involved in tech, but we're about education, we're about inclusion, we're about diversity mm-hmm. and we need this 501c3 home. So they were the first ones I think who really started Um, under Open Collective Foundation. And then once the pandemic hit, um, what happened is mutual aid groups found out about us and it just sort of started spreading like wildfire. So what was happening, like wildflower, wildfire? Wired <laughs> fire. Um, what was happening across the country was people were having a really hard time through the pandemic of people who, who were already uh, marginalized or having challenges in their life. Um, now we're struggling to access food, medical supplies, uh, PPE, you know, everything was going crazy and people across the country in a really inspiring way came together and basically said, well, the government's not going to show up and fix this charities are not showing up and fixing this we're just going to get together and help our neighbors and that's really what mutual aid is is about it's about Real people helping people like them around this around them. Um, and so they started signing up. And when we were at first, like, what is going on? Who are all these groups? Um, and then <laughs> we realized what was happening and felt that it was a really important um thing that we could do in the pandemic. So we decided to do this uh, freeze free, fees-free period for mutual aid groups, and then a whole bunch of them signed up.
1: Wow. And
0: at the same time, Uh, some of our kind of larger partnerships with major funders that have been building over the years really came to fruition. And we had some very large grant projects come together um, in the spaces of kind of technology for social change. Um, And then that combination just, it was crazy. So in 2020, we grew by a factor of 20. Um, So it was a really fast growth period. And this year, we're 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 multiplying—we're growing by multiples again. Um, So I think we've really, we've hit a nerve. There's some sort
1: of gap that we're filling that
0: people are really responding to.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's amazing, you know, that I keep, you know, the, um, that you built, you know, a, a place, right. It was there and it was ready. Like you all were doing the thing that you thought, you know, was right and kind of working on your mission. And, you know, lo and behold, when the time came, fortunately, there was a place for all of these groups to you know, be able to do their work. And, you know, I think also about like how for them to be able like to do the cash aid, right? Um, I know with our local mutual aid group, part of it is like they're not asking questions. There's not means testing. There's not, you know, eligibility, you know, sobriety testing, drug testing, any of that. The point is to meet the need. And, you know, for most philanthropies or most hosts, right, that's, they're going to be Adding that layer of uh, requirements on for the, you know, what's going out. And here it's still transparent, right? um, People are able to see what's going on and, you know, still also not have to suddenly be burdened with, okay, well, we can't help this person because they don't have a social security number. Um, And I think that's really beautiful, also. Yeah,
0: we have been trying to be really responsive to what the groups under our umbrella want to do in their communities. Um, I think of us as kind of the sort of back office support structure. And then our role is really to empower the groups that um, are under our umbrella because they're really the experts on what their community needs. And there's quite a lot of diversity. I mean, we're hosting nearly 300 groups now and they span, you know, quite a range of different kinds of activities, but they tell us what they want to do. And we basically figure out how to make it happen without burdening them with some of the like really heavy compliance stuff that needs to happen, um, you know, as a nonprofit. So for example, as you just mentioned, cash assistance, people needing to get people wanting to support their neighbors with direct assistance without making them fill out paperwork, blah, 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 all this stuff. So we basically I just like called up our lawyer and our auditor and I'm like, right, they wanna like walk down the street handing envelopes of cash to houseless people. How are we gonna make this happen? How do we report this to the IRS? And you know, it was a process, but we figured, we figured it out. We were able to figure it out in such a way that the barrier could be very low in terms of the person and community getting support and then we can work with organizers of the, of the program overall and, and you know get what we need to do as a, as a nonprofit and we basically are able to take care of everything to do with the IRS so that we can cushion people from having to deal with all of that and we're continuing to be responsive um, some new stuff that we're uh, releasing um, our groups are telling us they wanted to make grants in their community so we have now figured out a way to set them up as grant makers. Um, which is really interesting. And we can take care of all of the IRS reporting side of grants and all the compliance stuff. Um, employment. So basically we're able to, we're at the scale now where we're able to if employ people full time and get them access to health insurance. So people who are work, like, yeah. And you think about what's it going to take to truly shift society to a different place. I think it's going to be, I think it, a lot of times it's going to look like people leaving their jobs, which are in the old system, which might not align with their values um, or the society that they want to live in and being able to step out of that and work full time on the, on the movements that they care about while still having health insurance and some measure of stability. I think that's a really powerful lever for change. So we're trying to activate that one.
1: Yeah. And you know, you think about this kind of paradigm of like the you know activist who has to like couch surf and you know they're just like a martyr for the cause and it's just you know it doesn't have to be that way (laughs) and there's a system in which you know that happens and the reason is not because it has to be that way um and yeah so having the ability to not do your whole corporate not create a whole corporation um in order to you know meet so that people can have a life you <laughs> can live Absolutely. You know.
0: so we're trying to spend really trying to span the full spectrum from the very beginning where it's like I, I'm, a, I'm a citizen in my community i've had an idea and overnight i want to get started and be able to have a link where people can give us money and then we can then pay out you know repay volunteers who are buying you know eggs for food distribution or whatever it is that they're doing we can get them started basically overnight with an incredibly low barrier and then we can they can grow with us and as their budgets get bigger or now they want to apply for a major grant or now they want to employ someone or now they want to um, give grants or anything like that we can basically support them um, to grow their to grow their initiative. Um, and we have some and now actually very large projects who if we didn't exist might have gone and founded their own nonprofit and, and done it themselves but actually they still feel like sticking with us is is more than worth it because it saves them a lot of time and we're also able to because we have many many groups that are together using this commons that we've created we have access to certain things that that we have at a certain scale we can tell a bigger story in their grant application because they're part of this bigger movement or we can get access to like bigger group health plans and you know it's it's all these things that that create benefits i think for groups
1: right and the, um, it kind of ties into a question that I did want to ask um, also about, you know, as people are thinking about, well, do I make a nonprofit or not? I always say, don't do it. <laughs> do not make your own nonprofit. <laughs> There's enough. <laughs> Go find somebody to help. <laughs> um, but, you know, sometimes. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, so where you know where do you see kind of a, a line or you know, for the people that are grow, Um, that you know start out being hosted is there a point at which like you all could see like recommending or assisting stewarding them into their own organization like how, how do you kind of explain that or give some input into that decision process if somebody's thinking about it
0: Yeah, well, I mean, our, the reason we exist is about the impact we want to have, and if supporting a group to stand under our umbrella is going to support that impact, then we're going to go that way, and if supporting a group to form their own entity is the, is the way to get to the most impact and help them thrive, then we're going to go that way, basically. Um, So, we yeah I am a bit of a weird person like I love filling out tax forms I love talking to lawyers about extremely finicky contract clauses and like I know I'm a bit weird and most people are not into these yeah, things Wilson help. But, <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> I love spreadsheets and all that stuff so that's why I do this work and basically it just kills me when I think about amazing you know community leaders and change makers and activists and Um, you know, innovators out there who should be doing their unique, amazing gift, but are stuck doing a bunch of paperwork that, you know, would be better if they could get someone to do it for them. So if that's the situation, then I think it can be a really good fit to join us. Um, And and it, it genuinely saves time and money. Like if you don't have the money to hire a lawyer, for example, and an accountant, and you don't want to spend your time doing that, founding a nonprofit is not for you. Um, we, we were talking to uh, somebody who kind of consults across fiscal sponsor organizations across the country and they were saying what they'd seen is it's not until a, uh, an initiative reaches about five to $10 million per year budget that it actually makes sense that, for them to found their own nonprofit just in terms of cost benefit. But all wow. of that said, yeah. yeah. So that was surprising to me as well, but now yeah. we have um, projects yeah. who are getting towards that scale and it is proving to be true that they're, yeah that said there are times when you might want to have your own entity and we are fully supportive of that so we have had many groups who start with us in the early stages and then they get to a certain scale and they decide they want to found their own entity for whatever reason and there's no real lock there's no lock-in like because of the transparency and the philosophy that our technology is built on being completely open source we're not going to lock you in so if you want to move on to your own entity you can actually just unplug Open Collective Foundation from your collective and plug in your own bank account and your own entity and just carry on. And all the people who are giving you $10 a month or in your whole history and all your, you know, you've got a whole database now of people you're giving updates and your supporters through Open Collective, you can take all, all of that with you and just plug it into your own entity. Um, the only restriction is basically once money is given to a 501c3 to a nonprofit, it can't be basically funneled out to a for-profit entity. So there are some, some restrictions, but that makes sense because if we could do that, then everybody would be like affording taxes. and Yeah, so there are some rules. The rules the, that the restrictions that we have are, all come from the IRS, basically. Like, and it, I, I wish that we didn't have to deal with them, but I'm, I'm, I still feel like it's better for, for us to take care of them rather than putting that burden on groups. But that doesn't mean we have to say, okay, we have to do, go, go about things in the right way.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, cause it can be paralyzing. Um, I think for people to like, be like, oh, but you know, can I do this? Like, am I going to like, is an auditor going to show up at my door? Um, and so just the peace of mind and just not having, you know, saying the, the host has it, <laughs> like they've, they've got the yeah. lawyers, like they've, you know, figured out how to keep me compliant. Like, so I can just move forward. Like it's it's huge and I wonder if this would be a good time to maybe have a look at um something because um you know I'm I uh, was noticing when I was you know researching to sign up like there I could have been a host if I had you know the right things in place so um that's something I think people should know also like you know I wonder these um groups that have gotten to be larger have you seen them kind of end up uh becoming a, ho- a hosting, kind of taking on that role for some of their initiatives um, versus, you know, being a collective, right? Those are the kind of the two entities on the platform, hosts and collectives.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, but just br- I'll briefly answer your question. And then I think it's, it's more tangible if I show you how it yeah, actually yeah. works and then, cause there's a lot of layers and everything's <laughs> named something similar. And yeah, <laughs> um, that's on us, but um yes so any any entity can become a fiscal host and fiscal hosting means you're kind of an umbrella entity and you hold money on behalf of projects we have small ones and we have big ones and anyone can start one and it basically has enabled a lot of diversity and flexibility so some hosts are just they're quite small and we're like oh we've got this a few projects under our umbrella um, and some are quite big like open collective foundation who are basically saying we want to be a really broad host and we're welcoming anyone to apply. Um, and so that's really up to you. if you're your own host you determine you know everything the Money's sitting in your bank account you determine the policies you determine everything. And the flip side is, you have to do a, a bit more admin you have to take legal liability you have to deal with tax reporting blah 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 but if you've already got an ent- entity set up and you're already prepared to take care of all of those things it, it could make sense to just plug open collective into your own bank account. But I'll show you, I'll show you because I think it will make it a little bit clearer. Um, So you're familiar with this page, this is the Civic Hacker Network. Open Collective page. Um, this is what this is a great example of um, a group who's fundraising on the platform. So you can set up tiers and ask people to support you. Um, you can show you know the different projects that you might be doing. For example, um, a conference yes, or an event. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> summit. Um, we've got events. So all kinds of different features on here. You can see you know who's giving money, who the team is behind it, and also the transparency of the budget. Um, as this one is a little bit new, I want to show you a group that's a little bit more established, so you can see how the features work a bit more. So this is another group um, in New York, a mutual aid group in New York, Pushpaclay Mutual. They're doing an amazing work in their community. They've got lots of options for how you might support them and, and uh, show what they're doing with the money. Basically, events. You can see all the different contributors there, it's individuals and organizations who are supporting them. Um, you can see kind of this whole community the whole thing is designed to basically show the whole community of supporters around a project. And then the transparency of the budget and what they're spending money on and where the money is coming from. And then also there are community engagement features. These are um, updates that go out as new email newsletters and also get posted like blog posts. Conversations are sort of two way uh, communication with the whole community and about. So if you sign up, you can completely customize this page depending on what your community wants to do. Um, but I'll show you up at the top. You can see it says fiscal host Open Collective Foundation. So that's the organization that um, that we run. That's the nonprofit under under whose umbrella this group and Civic Hackers is living. Um, this is Open Collective Foundation's page on the platform, and you can see uh, we're hosting two hundred and eighty one groups, and you can see them all here. And if you click into any one of these, you would then see a page uh, like this, where it shows you all the details of what they're up to and their budget and everything that they're doing. And we're also transparent about our operational budget as the umbrella entity. And so that transparency flows through um, everything that we do on Open Collective. Um, And we communicate to our community of Uh, like the administrators of all of the groups that are under our umbrella and say hey we've got new services so this is something you can sign up for um we've got conversations um where the groups can talk to each other and and give asks and offers and we are hosting you know basically operating on this kind of meta level of how do we connect all the groups to each other and help them um and you can support us so this is this is our page as well um and i will show you um Yeah, I think that that kind of helps um, explain that kind of multi-level thing. So this is all the groups that we host. And then an individual group looks like that. Um, So you could start a group under our umbrella. You could start a group under the umbrella of another fiscal host, or you can become a fiscal host and become an umbrella for groups as well.
1: You know, it's amazing to see all of the like all of the contributors. I noticed like looking at some of the other ones that Um, there were ways to contribute that weren't necessarily um, funds like you you could do something (laughs) Um, especially I guess with the open source software right there's um, different ways um, to contribute and I think that's really um, also quite helpful and I did notice like there was a way to account for like in-kind things so like it's really um, I don't know fully featured like you can tell that it has been responsive in its growth, you know, as things are added, um, it's really checking off like all those cases, use cases that, you know, you would see in you know, the evolution of a, a nonprofit and what they need, um, just that it's there. <laughs> like, what do I need to do when someone wants to donate Bitcoin to me? Guess what? They've got it covered. They figured it out. <laughs> so, yeah, we really try to respond to what what our users tell us that
0: they want. And the platform is really quite powerful and flexible. And we try to, we're really kind of a small responsive team. So we're constantly in touch with our community and listening to what they need and coming out with new features and changing things and improving things. You know, the system is definitely not perfect. There's a lot of things that we could still improve. Um, As a small team, you know, we can't do everything at once but we really want to meet the needs of our community. So that's what we're building for. Um, We've got some new things coming out. Um, This thing about grant making and employment that I talked about and we're building technical features to support that Um, uh, accessibility is a really big one that's important to, especially on Open Collective Foundation, we're supporting a lot of people who sort of experience the digital divide or have you know internet access barriers and uh, maybe their English isn't their first language and filling out a bunch of paperwork is not um, really easy for them you know all of these things so we're constantly pushing to try to find ways to make it easier and smoother and basically lower the barriers to you know start a group or engage with the group and basically move move money and support and energy where it needs to go.
1: Yeah, and do you f- see um, a future I guess or even now already an influence of this? Uh, approach to uh, fiscal hosting affecting the larger you know arena I don't know if it's an industry but you know a fiscal host because you know it you know it is unique in in those values um and how you guys are putting those values into you know the the platform and I'm just wondering if you're how do how are you explaining it to your kind of traditional um Outlets of this type of activity, and um, you know, I also feel like, you know, even though people don't necessarily know what socialism is, they there's like this weird vibe, like it's kind of like critical race theory, like where it's like there's a boogeyman word that you can throw out there, and I feel like um, there's certain communities that would benefit from this, but yet like uh, with open collective sharing, like they're leaning into the sharing economy that you know, people don't really know what, what that means. And these ideas are new in a lot of ways um, to many people. So like, how do you explain some of that more, I guess, philo- philosophical part of it and you know, that you're going a different way than traditional philanthropy or um, you know, how are they responding?
0: Yeah, good question. Well, in my career, I kind of feel like I do this a lot. Like I create something that on the surface is like, oh, it's just, it's really useful and convenient and you can, it will solve this problem for you. But actually it's like quite a subversive, like Trojan horse to get kind of uh, deeper change into organizations and and communities and in our in our society. Um, and that's what Open Collective is. I mean, we don't actually hide it, but, um, you know, we solve really, clear pain points, and it is really convenient, and it's really useful, Mm -hmm. but through using it, it will help you to have more shared governance, more transparency, more participation. Um, And these are working towards much, much bigger values around equitability and justice and solidarity. Um, We recently uh, have been using this word solidarity a lot more. It's It's sort of a rallying cry of the mutual aid movement um, and we wanted to align with that, but we what we realized when we were kind of doing some deep internal work about strategy and who are we and what is our, what is our place in this landscape, um, we were asking ourselves, well, how do we reconcile the different kinds of groups who've resonated with what we're doing and signed up? What do they all have in common? So with all these mutual aid groups, we've got lots of sort of open source technology related groups, we have lots of um, basically activist social movements type groups, whether they're working on climate or justice or um, different areas. And I I used to feel like they were all kind of different subcultures, but then I realized that this concept of solidarity actually really uh, was relevant to all of them um, in terms of, you know, do we want a society where some people are considered better than others and have more power than others. And there's sort of, it's an elitist kind of, you know, pyramid hierarchy. Or are we going for a different thing where we fundamentally believe that human beings are all all have equal value, and we should be working towards shared power and uh, basically helping each other and supporting each other? And when you if you have that basis uh, for your values and you connect everything back to that, you get very different kind of technology. Like if you look at. how how does open collective work as a technology versus how does something like Facebook work as a technology? It truly comes from a different sort of values basis and you end up in a different place. Um, And so we felt that that word, even though a lot of open source software projects wouldn't say, oh, we're part of the solidarity economy. If you kind of dig into what the solidarity economy is about, which is basically regular people working together to produce what we need and to support one another, Um, open source software is all about that. It's all about kind of people freely collaborating in a really kind of open and and well, we could talk about equitability in the socialist, (laughs) in the open source (laughs) software world, but but the ideal of it is about um, participation and and, um, spreading that out and working together. So that really does, I think, dovetail really well with mutual aid and the other kind of areas that we work in. Um, So one thing that we're starting to work on now is is something kind of a codename, the Solidarity School. It doesn't really have a name yet, but Mm -hmm. it's basically like what could be possible by getting such groups together, like a mutual aid group, a group like civic hackers and um, uh, open source software developers, you know, if we could get them together to learn learn about things like effective shared governance and using technology for social change and all of these topics that they're probably all interested in. I think they would have a lot to share with one another, and that cross-pollination, I think, could be really powerful. And I think that kind of weaving, weaving diverse groups together on a shared values basis and a shared really practical infrastructure is how you build, I think, a much bigger, more effective social movement that can actually change society in a bigger way. So I suppose that's sort of what the theory of change comes down to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been thinking about um, in my kind of learning, right, because you, you talked about, you know, like, you think you hit a nerve, like, I think you're right. Because I keep meeting more people and even for my in my own community, you know, starting to look at, okay, how can we um, reemerge, right, as a, you know, in a different way, create a different kind of community and um, looking at kind of generative um, Practices, you know, generative economies versus extractive ones, and um, you know, I was thinking about like how technology has really what we're seeing is, you know, it's allowing for some really bad harms to be scaled up, right? So exploitation at scale, for example, is possible um, due to technology. And so, what does it look like for, um, you know, these other values to scale? using the vehicle of technology and I think the what you just were describing you know as far as like getting these people with shared values these these initiatives um, together you know definitely opens the door for seeing like okay how can we do solidarity at use technology to bring solidarity solidarity into the world at scale Um, and yeah it's going to be fascinating to see that's for sure. (laughs)
0: Um, Oh, you also asked and I didn't answer your question about, you know, how do we relate to the other people in the fiscal sponsorship landscape and where do we fit in? And I I think it does kind of come down to that, that we are not afraid of of basically standing up and saying we are, are, we're trying to be a radical organization. And this is our, you know, values basis is in solidarity with kind of somewhat radical social change movements, I would say. and that's okay and and that i think lets us be in a really like we inhabit a kind of a niche i think in the landscape in that way we are way on the end of the spectrum when it comes to transparency use of technology a lot of fiscal sponsors are not as strong in those areas they're strong in areas that we're not necessarily strong in like they will have you know very very long established um you know, heavy accounting protocols and stuff that enables you to do certain kinds of grant reporting. They would be set up for, like, if you do government grants, you need to have certain kind of audits and stuff that we're just like, we haven't gone there. So there are also fiscal sponsors that are in very specific areas. For example, performance art, performing arts or something like that. They will have fiscal sponsors that are, you know, extremely knowledgeable in that very specific niche. But we are we are widely broad. We are generalist and we're trying to be like a, uh, a really open kind of fiscal sponsor where if you have a well with the IRS cause a charitable purpose but basically if you're out there for those genuinely for those reasons we can find a place for you under our umbrella. Um, and I think, and we want to collaborate with others, you know we're not out here, I, I don't really believe in a competitive approach to solidarity doesn't really make sense. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah Um, and i think you'll see that in how we want to collaborate with um existing fiscal sponsors we want to collaborate with existing kind of movements and networks in the solidarity economy space and create partnerships we have really wonderful partnerships with some major grant making foundations and we want to do more of those Um, and so i think we like i really see us as it's like a piece of infrastructure it's a it's a bridge or an api and it's a really useful piece of the puzzle that could connect different different worlds together like a, a large grant making foundation physically cannot fund an unincorporated mutual aid initiative. Like there's no they just can't. No one can fill out the right paperwork and no one can submit them. you know it's really it's really it's boring and practical structural stuff. <laughs> structural
1: <laughs> inequity. That's, that's one exactly, way that that's it exactly out.
0: right. That, yes. And you also you don't want that mutual aid group to have to become a nonprofit and declare directors and change the essence of what it's actually about as an emergent shared, you know, neighborhood social movement. So The goal is, okay, we're not going to change necessarily the structure of funding and money and legals in the world, not going to change. We don't want to change how collectives in the world actually function, but we can be that bridging piece and make it easier on everyone.
1: Yeah, that's perfect. So now all of you all out there, you've heard the good news, spread it, join, don't let this stuff get in the way of you doing your work, please, we need you. Um, So, you know, just to wrap up, like what's, um, you know, I kind of did a little call to action for you there, but what are your call, your things that you want to plug and, you know, how can people follow you? I mean, there's some amazing um, ideas that you have about, you know, organizations um, that I think, you know, definitely we'll have to look at another session sometime where people can learn more about, you know, that, but yeah, what, what would you put out there for people? Uh, we just, we are an invitation
0: if you are experiencing any pain points around running a collaborative group and dealing with money or if you are considering founding your own entity and going oh my god i don't want to do all this paperwork or if you want to go for a grant and it's saying you need to be a 501c3 or tell us the bank account to send the grant funds to and you're like oh wait if i put this in my personal bank account i have to pay income tax on it like these these are the moments where you should have a light bulb go off and say oh i could join open collective instead and not have to worry about any of these things um or and you know and get access to really neat benefits like the online platform and ability for employment and health insurance and all the stuff that we're trying to do um and similarly if you are a funder um, or in contact with funders who want to fund deeper into communities beyond registered you know organizations incorporated you know people who are really formal um which i think a lot of the most important work in communities is going on beyond that formal structure, um, that's a really good sign that we could work together to reach the communities you wanna support. Um, And also, if you are such an entity and you've done the work to set up that infrastructure and you want to be an umbrella for groups in your community or groups that um, are working aligned with what you're working on, you can be a fiscal host and the open collective system will make it much, much easier for you to provide such a service. So I guess it works on all of those levels. And I would say, reach out to us, talk to us if you have questions, um, you know, contact us. We're really open. We're we're human people. We're up for conversations and and we're here for we're here for impact, we're here for saving time uh, for the people who are trying to have real impact in communities, and we're here for basically pumping up all the amazing things that is already going on um, with a bit of tooling and infrastructure and support.
1: Hey listeners, we are heading out of the month of March, which is Women's History Month. We celebrated International Women's Day on March 8th, highlighting women's contributions and achievements, as well as calling for the continued fight for equality, economic empowerment, and ending gender-based violence. As you've heard on this podcast, and not just this episode, but many others beside it, many women are leading the way in using tech and data for social change. We're honored to feature the voices of some remarkable women at the Civic Hacker Summit and in this podcast. Coming up in season three of the Civic Hacker podcast, we're excited to bring you interviews with women who are empowering researchers in the global south with AI tools that they need to treat and cure disease, increasing access to childcare subsidies in the US, helping civic tech orgs across Latin America create sustainable models for their work and more. And there's now a new way that you can help us out with bringing our next podcast season to life. We have just launched our Civic Hack Her initiative to raise funds to help with some of the cost of producing new episodes featuring women like the phenom you just heard from today. Our initial goal is to gain 100 supporters who contribute $5 or more on a monthly basis. Now, how does it work? Well, just go to civic-hackers.org slash civic hack her to learn more and set up your gift of support as a civic hack her supporter you will help cover the cost of producing future episodes featuring the women i mentioned and more be acknowledged with a shout out during one of the new episodes go you and you will have the ability to nominate a woman whose work you think we should highlight on the podcast And of course, you'll receive lots of our most sincere gratitude. So head on over to civic-hackers.org slash civichackher and let's crush this goal. We're looking forward to featuring more amazing women in the upcoming season of the Civic Hacker podcast. And thank you in advance for generously providing support to help us do so. How fortunate we are to have had this opportunity to learn about the Open Collective platform and how Alana, the Open Collective team, and all of the organizations hosting and being hosted are creating social impact in varied and important ways. As you just heard, this hub that Alana and her colleagues have created for group collaboration and administrative support has positively impacted communities across the globe. Today, the platform is still growing. And supporting vital movements and initiatives working on feeding people, organizing people, saving lives in war torn countries, and building open and equitable digital tools to scale up justice, equity, and solidarity. If you're experiencing challenges or obstacles that are administrative in nature, or maybe you're considering running your own collaborative group or entity, the Open Collective platform might be a great fit for you, just like it has been for the Civic Hacker Network. Please do not hesitate to reach out. We're here to save your time and do anything we can to make your process of creating social impact in your community easier. Links to Open Collective are in the episode notes, and you can drop me a line via email at Lori, L O R I, at civic hackers.org. Or you have the option of leaving a voice message by heading over to civic-hackers.org slash pod. The time is always right for gratitude. That's right, it's gratitude o'clock here on this podcast, and words cannot fully express how thankful I am for you. As our individual selves or individual groups and organizations, we can't solve everything. But collectively, when as many of us as are able do our part, we actually can. I'm thankful for the part that Alana's doing, working to build and support projects, platforms, and ideas with the intention and purpose to make a positive impact in the world. Shout out to all the networks of people sharing equity, justice, and human rights as values to drive their work forward together. I'm grateful for where such work has brought us from and where it will take us in the future. I'm thankful for the people who, over the ages, have cared for the beautiful land in far Northern California, where I produce this podcast. It is with gratitude that I acknowledge the Wintu people This is their current and ancestral home, and I am committed to supporting work that they lead to meet the needs of their people. I want you to know how grateful I am to you for listening. I welcome your feedback because it helps me improve this podcast and better serve the network. So please make sure you rate and review the show and share it with your networks. With your help, other people will discover this podcast and the amazing work that we highlight. Please follow the Civic Hacker Network on Instagram. That's right, new and 23. We're on Instagram now, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and also claim your free membership to get an invitation to join us on Slack. You can find all the links on our website, civic-hackers.org. I'm Lori McNeil. Wishing you all the good things between now and your next listen to the Civic Hacker podcast. Problems have solutions. Let's get to work. The Civic Hacker Podcast is a production of Civic Hacker Network, a networking and support hub for people using data and technology to create positive change in their communities. The audio is edited by Lily Conway, and Kate Allison writes our scripts. The Civic Hacker Network is a nonprofit organization fiscally hosted by the Open Collective Foundation. Join the network for free at civic hackers.org.